Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. Welcome to School with the Professor. And, of course, the New England Patriots take on Seattle on a game that's Sunday night football. That should be a big intrigue. Let's go to Mike Reese from ESPN.com to get what is really this uh, Patriot team. Because, once again, Mike, what I look at is that uh, I'm amazed that Bill Belichick can even be competitive enough with all the losses that he's had. You know, five key guys on defense, the eight opt-outs. They may be even a little bit weaker at wide receiver and tight end. How good is this Patriot team? Well, I would say, John, that they played very well in the opener, but they got a long way to go to be in the conversation with, I think, teams that, you know, the two of us would probably say are the best of the best in the AFC, like the Kansas City Chiefs like the Baltimore Ravens. I I don't see them right now in that class, but one of the best things they have going for them after one week is Cam Newton, and that's been the big story. Yeah, talk about Cam, because what I worry about... Because, you know, he's still one to lower his shoulder and try to plow through somebody. He showed that last week you know, with, with the 15 runs. Uh, can he hold up running 15 times a game? Well, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, said, you know, you can't do anything in this league over and over again and expect it to be sustainable. So I, I think he answered the question for us because that's what a lot of people have been asking here in New England. Like, can they keep doing this? Now, the one thing that's interesting about those 15 runs that Cam had in the opener, you know, a lot of those are option plays where there's a decision that Cam's making whether to keep the football or or hand it off, a lot of times based on what the defense reacts to. And so McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, made the point, like, his total runs could have been six, you know, if things had unfolded differently. And I just think that's an interesting discussion, John, because – when you run that play, you have to factor in, you know, from the play caller standpoint, like, well, this might end up staying in the quarterback's hands, right? So mm-hmm. that's just sort of a fascinating part of that conversation. To yeah, me. it re- really was. But, of course, I think it was expected. And isn't there some tracing to the fact that, uh, you know, Josh and Bill Belichick, you know, wanted to get more updated with the current NFL offenses, that if Tom Brady would leave and he left, that they would go to more of a running type of style with a mobile quarterback. That definitely intrigued them, you know, and, and I think, you know, with Cam, this what's sort of also compelling, John, is like he wasn't even with them in the off season. He officially signed July 8th, even though he had agreed to terms late in June. So it's not like this was part of like some master plan that they had. Oh, Tom leaves, we'll bring in Cam. Like they were very tight to the salary cap and like for a lot a, a large part of the off season it looked like this was going to be either Jarrett Stidham, their fourth round pick from last year out of Auburn or Brian Hoyer. And well, those guys can move a little better than Tom. Like they don't move like Cam. You know, and that sort of opened up this whole new world that's been interesting to watch. How how has it looks like he's adjusted pretty well to coming into New England because it looks like he's bought into Bill Belichick, who's always been one that respected him. John, that to me has been unbelievable. Like I call it living the Cam Newton experience, and with that comes you know the outfits and some uh, interesting sort of. 
um, turns of phrase, if you will, with his with his uh, you know comments to reporters. Um, but when when you boil it down, like put that all, all to the side and whatever like perception you might have had of Cam Newton, and I include myself because being up here in New England, you know, I didn't know him that well in Carolina, other than sort of what I would see briefly on TV, um, you know, what he was wearing, what he might have said. What I've learned is, like, he gets in the building at, like, 5 in the morning. He doesn't leave till late at night. And he's the type of player that other guys are, are sort of galvanized by. They gravitate towards him. And he showed this one bit of leadership this week that I think reflects that, is they had Nikhil Harry, their first-round pick, a wide receiver from last year out of Arizona State, and you know they really need him to develop. And he had a, a, a disappointing play in the opener where he fumbled the ball, John, through the, the end zone. So they lost the ball, and Cam was asked about it, and he sort of talked about how, you know, Nikhil is, is sort of like his little brother, and he made a mistake, but, you know, everyone makes mistakes, and don't overlook all the other good things that Nikhil did in the game. And I just, I look at that and I say, man, Cam Newton has really settled in here in New England, not just as their quarterback, but as a, a definitive leader that other players are looking towards. Interesting. So now, are they weaker or about the same at the receiving position? Because that obviously was a big issue. And I also bring in tight end, too. But uh, where do you put them as far as their talent at uh, the, the, those two skilled positions? So I would say at, let's start at receiver. And right now, I would say it's either the same or a little weaker. But you got to factor in the potential upside. You know, like, they've they got to get more out of Nikhil Harry, their first-round pick last year. And, and if they do, it has a chance to be better. But right now, the way we look at it, it doesn't look better just yet. You know, they have Julian Edelman, who is another year older, you know, and he was actually playing the number three receiver role in the last game. Uh, he only played 37 snaps, which is unusual for a guy who played 87 percent of the snaps all last year but they got to preserve him john because around julian edelman you know you got Nikhil harry then they have demir bird who was like the cardinals number four sometimes five receiver last year who was running as their number two in last week's game so and then they have undrafted free agent jacoby myers filling out the depth chart at receivers so well there's youth and upside there's not a lot of proven production there so how could i say it's better until we see more so that's at receiver and at tight end i will tell you it's better only because last year it was almost like a barren position for them and and they have a a third-year player in ryan Izzo who made a very nice play last week on a 25-yard catch and run who's you know i would say a, a, a number two solid tight end who right now is elevated up to the number one role because they have two rookies who right now are just sort of trying to get up to speed in third-round picks, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. Yeah, very unusual, but again, it's the interesting transition with this team. On defense, much like Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick likes to build from the back to the front, build a secondary, and then uh, you know not put as much money into the defensive line. How's that transition been so far? Well, I will say, John, the, the, the secondary, very impressive last week, albeit against the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I say that, you know, 
we know they're not the strongest team in the league at the same time. It is the same team that came into New England in the 2019 season finale and, you know, really cost the Patriots a, a first-round bye, you know, in the passing game. So they dressed 11 defensive backs in the opener against the Dolphins. And what stands out to me, John, is they got a lot of different guys back there, talented guys, that help them match up differently against different types of pass catchers. Like they're using their second-round pick last year, Joan Williams of Vanderbilt, against tight ends that they view as sort of bigger receivers than traditional tight ends. So, like, they'll, they'll, they have these niche roles for certain players in the secondary because they have so many of them. What I'm intrigued to see Sunday night against the Seahawks is how's that front seven hold up because that's really where the questions are after a lot of free agent departures and the opt-out of Dante Hightower, their Mr. Do-Everything linebacker. Yeah, but it does look like Bentley does have a chance to uh, you know, fill the void, although you know, not as good as Hightower, but it looks like you know, he's maybe the main linebacker for them. He is. Jawan Bentley, um, a third-year player out of Purdue, who was actually voted uh, as a captain this year for the first time. He had a very solid season opener, and they've asked him to step up and fill that void. Um, they drafted him in the fifth round in 2018, and he was a, a, the, the only player in Purdue history who was a three-year captain, which sort of tells you about his leadership skills. And they really like him, but after him, they have a lot of youth there, and so that's an area to definitely look towards on Sunday night. Yeah. What uh, type of thing? I would imagine the one thing that's going to be interesting is that uh, you would have to figure that Seattle is going to use more two tight end sets just to maybe try to take one of those uh, guys off the field or at least get bigger bodies to go against the good coverage. Because, again, the uh, you'd have to look at the trio for cornerbacks, and right now I think most p- consider the Patriots with the best man-to-man coverage trio in the NFL. I, I was Stefan Gilmore at cornerback alongside JC Jackson and Jason McCourty, uh, Jonathan Jones. Like they are, that's the strength of the Patriots at corner. And so to me, I, I look at this game, John, it's sort of fascinating to me because like you got the Seahawks who by perception, and I'm talking about it from the other coast. I'm not as close to it as you, you know, I always thought when you play them, you got to get ready for the running game, and yet now I hear all this about let Russ cook, and I see how he threw it all over the place Sunday against the Falcons, and I say to myself, well, is this going to force the Seahawks to go back to that perception that I have of, like, their best chance might be to run the ball? And on the flip side, I got the Patriots who ran it so well against the Dolphins, and I'm thinking to myself, are they going to be able to run it against the Seahawks, or is the passing game going to be the way for them to attack and i'm just sort of studying this matchup saying we might we might see a complete contrast in style and approach for both teams offenses based on where they might view the other team as most vulnerable defensively yeah no doubt and uh you know because again i think what you're seeing is that uh, brian schottenheimer is now in his third year as offensive coordinator uh certainly russ wanted to you know cook a little bit more so i think what it comes down to is just getting you know more early down pass plays a little more up tempo but again i can't imagine that they're going to run the ball like or pass the ball like they did against a patriot team they can get interceptions yeah, they can. The one thing that I'm going to be watching for, John, is the pass rush against Seattle because as good as the Patriots' secondary is, I think 
any secondary can only cover for so long. And Russell does such a great job extending plays. Like, is the pass rush going to be effective enough, you know, when the Seahawks do pass to give the secondary, you know, the time that they need to to lock down the receivers? Because eventually those guys can uncover if Russell can extend the play. Who is the best pass rush? I mean, how, kind of give an order of the best pass rush guys, if any, for the Patriots. So, well, the Patriots do a great job as a team in the pass rush, John. Like, if you're an offensive line, you have to be ready for a lot of, like, combinations, and, and they work together beautifully picking off offensive linemen to create rush lanes for, for, um, for each other. So, like, there's an example. One great point I love was like they have an interior defensive lineman. Adam Butler is his name, and their defensive line personnel coaching staff said if there was a, an assist statistic in football, like he would be a leader because he creates opportunities for other guys. But to, to answer it in a more simplistic way, Chase Winovich, their third round pick from last year out of Michigan, he had five and a half sacks as a rookie, as sort of a niche uh, pass rush role. This year he's sort of expanding into more of a three-down player. And if I had to pick one player to say, that's the pass rusher you have to watch out for, it's Chase Winovich. And you can't miss him, John, because he's got that blonde hair flowing out of the back of the helmet. Um, really easy to spot on the field with that as well. In uh, 30 seconds, uh, what can you say as far as what the Patriots would have to do to be able to win this game? Well, win the turnover battle, which is cliche, right? And I think they have to open it up a little bit offensively because I find it hard to believe they'll be able to play the same way that they did against the Dolphins running so much uh, with Cam Newton. So going to need a little bit more from their wide receivers, tight ends, and backs in the passing game. Mike Reese from ESPN.com. It's sad to see that you're not going to be out here for the game. I'll be doing the sidelines from here at the house, but uh, always looking forward to seeing you, and thanks for joining us on Schooled with a Professor. John, I always love to be on with you. That trip in 2012 when, when I was out there for the last time the Patriots visited was one of the highlights of all the trips I've ever taken covering the NFL. Seattle is such an amazing city, and of course I enjoyed my time with you and Pat as well. Sounds good. Hey Mike, thank you for joining us. Thanks, John. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with a Professor.